Hey listeners, Jonathan here. I'm dropping in on the back catalog of episodes to let you know about a very special workshop that I'm putting together in April for fans of Mindful Money. In this workshop, I'm going to be covering the path to financial independence, or what we used to call retirement. I want to show you how to create an income stream that rises to meet your rising cost of living and lasts the rest of your life. I want to show you how to build a simple, resilient portfolio that requires the least worry and effort. This is how I manage my own money. And I want to show you how to manage and adjust income through a life of rising costs and volatile market. And as per usual, we're going to bring uh, the focus back around to those things we know add to happiness and support well-being when you do finally reach financial independence. You can register at the link below, courses.mindful.money forward slash mindful dash retirement dash review dash workshop. Thanks. I hope to see you in class. When you have money to spend, when you're able to use it in a way in accordance with your values, you're happier. And it's one way in our capitalist culture that you're able to articulate what your values are. And so one of those ways is being generous. So when you give money to others, you feel great. And that's true in my own life. But there's a hesitancy, I think, in general, when you feel like you don't have enough to give. Do you think money takes up more life space than it should? On this show, we discuss with and share stories from artists, authors, entrepreneurs, and advisors about how they mindfully minimize the time and energy spent thinking about money. Join your host, Jonathan Dio, and learn how to put money in its place and get more out of life. Welcome back. On this episode of the Mindful Money Podcast, I'm chatting with Paul Montoy-Wilson. Paul has quite an interesting resume that includes being in college when the first iPhone was launched. Yes, he's a bit younger than I am. He was a product manager at Google. He founded a company, Aviate, and sold that company to Google's arch rival Yahoo in the search world. And then playing around with fintech, he ended up launching Allo with a longtime friend and colleague, Will Choi. I wanted him on the podcast because on the homepage of Allo, he refers to it as the mindful money practice. So we're obviously working on some trademark questions, but we're doing this together today and I'm happy to have him on the show. Paul, welcome to the Mindful Money Podcast. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. So we've had lots of conversations. No one else you know, in the listening crew here knows who you are, where you're from. So just tell us where you're calling in from, where you're connecting from right now. So I'm calling in right now from the peninsula of the Bay Area, and I grew up in Santa Barbara, California. Okay. And so did you have those power outages yesterday at your house too? We did. I got a phone call saying my kid's preschool was closing because of power outage. Then I got a call saying it's back open. And then another one saying it's closed again. So I had a, a shortened work <laughs> yeah, day was, you know, yesterday. I was on a call with a client and it just, it went dead. And I was like, oh no, you know, we we're going through this retirement plan. Oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> so I'm curious, growing up in Santa Barbara, sort of later generation than myself, what did your parents teach you or what did you, rather than what your parents teach you, what did you learn about money and entrepreneurship uh, as a kid? Yeah, it's a great question. I guess I learned a lot. My grandma, she grew up in the Great Depression and she was both in my life and then via my parents in their lives in my life. She was de this combination of both frugal as well as very generous. And I saw that as well in my parents' lives, both from a sort of material standpoint, they there wasn't a whole lot of like materials that either of my parents would 
like love to buy. But then when it came to like hosting or sort of our larger community, they were always the first to, you know, volunteer to host an event or have all of my friends over for a sleepover. And yeah, so I think sort of the interesting paradox of being both frugal and generous were sort of core things that I learned as a kid. Yeah. So did you realize at the time that you were learning these lessons? I mean, were they overt about it or was it just things that you kind of through osmosis picked up? Yeah, it's a, you know, when I reflect back, you know, you paint a story about like of how clear it was. So I think at the time I was just living life and thought every kid lived the same life as I did. There's a funny story of when I was growing up, kind of one of my first memories of money is there was this robot that I wanted to get and it was like probably third or fourth grade and it cost $50. And so one summer my mom said she'd pay me a penny a minute for work. Don't call that child loss. I think we're post that time. But anyway, I worked all summer to buy this and I got up to $45. I'm the youngest of three. So one of my older sisters saw me working hard and she gave me $5 to get me over that $50 mark. But after I worked all summer, I was like, there's no way I'm going to lose all this money and buy this robot. And so that $50 went straight to the bank account and it's still there today. Wow. And so I was going to say, I'm curious, the bank account, did you get, I mean, you were, did you have like a passbook savings where they would stamp it, you know, here's your interest and they'd put it in there in front of you or was it all digitized by then? It definitely was not digitized. I think probably the first time, like for me, like digital banking was in college, but we did have a branch that was close by our house. And so, yeah, I would go to the branch, deposit money. I would get $1.50 a week in allowance. 50 cents would go to the church. 50 cents I could do whatever I want with and 50 cents I could save. And most weeks I would save a dollar and get $50 to the church. And as I sort of reflect back, that sort of like saving frugality mindset has been helpful in certain aspects. And then there are other things where if I think about what are my values or my priorities, it hasn't been helpful. And I think that's sort of on my later, sort of in my journey, thinking about, yeah, what are my values? What are my priorities? And then how have my like money scripts or money mindsets, how are they helping those and how are they hurting those? Yes. Before we dig, I'm assuming we're going to dig into Allo if we get into that. So before we do yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. What were you, so you had mentioned that you were, you were sort of toying with a few different ideas, you know, maybe this, maybe that. What were the things you were looking at in sort of the fintech world before you launched Allo? And then how did that lead you to say, you know what, Allo is the right thing? How did you get to the idea of Allo? Well, first for me is being able to work with a great team. And so Will and I have been working together for over a decade. We actually met in college. My wife actually met Will first, and so she's the connector. And then we worked at Google together on different teams. And then as we were brainstorming about sort of what we wanted to do in life, we were deciding it was time to leave it around the same time. And that's when we founded our first company together, which was Aviate. And so after sort of taking a little bit of time off after my second child was born and coming back to it, I was like, what do I want to do? I want to work with people that I love on a product that I care deeply about and do it in a way that feels right to me. And so Will was on the top of that list. We had a very similar set of values. And so we first sort of said, we're going to take a year together to brainstorm different ideas to land on sort of the space that we're interested in, which landed in fintech. And I've always been personally interested in personal finance. So I 
was probably a like I was a boglehead before I knew what a boglehead was, but I, I learned in high school about index investing. And I'm a sort of math engineer type person. And so in college, I, although my undergrad was in electrical engineering, I got a master's in management science and engineering so that I could take a bunch of econ classes. And the econ classes that I was interested in most actually were the behavioral economics courses. And I was just fascinated about the difference between sort of rational or what people consider rational economics and then how we actually behave, how the real world actually behaves. And if I'm actually completely honest, I felt like my own decisions were rational. And yeah, the rest of the world is not. As do we all. (laughs) As we all do, yeah. So I do think in this journey, working in the fintech space and then ending up on Allo, I realized both all of the ways that my own behavior is not rational and how that's also okay in a lot of situations to have reasonable choices. And then in other cases, when I'm realizing, oh, I'm not being rational and I'm also not really making decisions aligned with my values, I do want to make some changes here. And so anyway, when we started in the personal finance world, I was thinking and we were brainstorming about how can we build basically tools to help people change their behavior in an easy way. And there's a classic study on 401k investing, which is if you auto-enroll people in 401k, they're much more likely to be enrolled. And if you up their percentage every year, they're much more likely to up their percentages. And it's just you know a basic default study, but it's true. And so we were thinking about taking that concept to your paycheck as a whole, the classic term is called pay yourself first, but basically building an app to make it easier for people to auto opt in to saving a percentage of their paycheck and then having that increase over time. And we learned a lot of things from that experiment as well as other experiments, but is you really got to get to sort of the core, like if people are in a place where they're like, oh, I want to save a percentage of my paycheck. I know what percentage I want to save then they probably have already done it. And even if people in theory buy into the fact that they would like to save a percentage of their paycheck, it's hard to just have a tool without some of that sort of under, like undercurrent sort of framework of, yeah, what are my goals? What are my priorities? What am I doing? What does my cash flow look like? And so that's led us with a lot of other things into what ended up becoming Allo. I know that you talk a lot about connecting personal well-being with our numbers. So sort of just give us a, a sketch of how Allo does that. Yeah. So the crux of what Allo is, we call it the mindful money practice. And that's how one of the reasons why I reached out to you, because I loved your book and your writings online. And to be honest, I guess I'll come back to answering your question directly. But there's a lot of great authors and financial advisors that are talking about combining sort of your numbers and your well-being, your numbers and your priorities. You know, life is more than just optimizing for a net worth. And there aren't a whole lot of apps that are helping you achieve that. And what apps can do, which is great, is they make things much more accessible to a lot more people and they help build habits. And so I think that's what we're excited about with Allo is trying to help people build a positive habit around their financial well-being. And so what is Allo? Allo is this mindful money practice, which is very succinctly a regular review of your cash flow. So where are you making money? Where are you spending money? 
and just being aware without judgment what that is. There's a couple other things that we do in the review, which is to notice things that you've used your money on that make you feel great, that you like are really grateful for. And then also to notice where you might have negative emotion. And that's where when you have a negative emotion, double click on that as opposed to avoiding it and asking yourself, is there something I want to change? Or is this a something that I learned earlier in my life that's no longer valuable and I actually do feel good about this? I have lots of examples of this in my own life. I would say I used to always look at money when I looked at like the you know credit card statement at the end of the month negatively because all of this money was going away from my bank account. And I've really been able, with the help of Allo and, and the work you know that I've personally done, to be able to relook at the bank statement and really be grateful that I'm able to use money on things that I care a lot about. I'll give a couple examples. So one is the farmer's market. When I used to go to the farmer's market, I loved going there, but I would always feel a little bit anxious when I saw that there is a fruit or a nut that I knew I could get for probably a dollar less per pound at Trader Joe's. And so, yeah, I just like, even while I was there, I wasn't feeling great. And this is obviously a, a small, simple example. But when I reflected on my priorities and I'm like, what do I love? What are things that are important to me? So one is family. And at the farmer's market, that's an event that we do together as a family. Another one is supporting local community. And what is farmer market? It's supporting local farmers. And a third is my health. And typically at the farmer's market, we're buying really healthy food. And so that's like, it's a triple win for me. And instead of me thinking only through the cost lens of like how much it costs when I'm able to think about these other priorities, I've been able to shift that mindset to be like, this is some of the best money I spend is at the farmer's market. Yeah, there's a growing body of research and it's, there's been some questions around it recently about no matter how much money you make, how you spend it actually ends up being the thing that is additive or subtractive from your well-being, from your happiness, from whatever you want to call that. So did you or are you on top of the research around how spending can feed us or how spending can take away from us? And how do you then push that new information into the app? Yeah, there's a book called Happy Money that I highly recommend where it goes into some of this research about how you spend your money like makes you happier. And I would say for myself, sort of baseline or how I grew up, I would try to sort of disassociate money from happiness saying, oh, money can't buy you happiness. So I don't want to like live in this consumeristic culture where I'm trying to buy happiness. And there are some good things in that. But I think on the negative side and what's been sort of exciting about sort of this research and how we're trying to articulate in the app is when you have money to spend when you're able to use it in a way in accordance with your values, you're happier. And it's one way in our capitalist culture that you're able to articulate what your values are. And so one of those ways is being generous. So when you give money to others, you feel great. And that's true in my own life. But there's a hesitancy, I think, in general, when you feel like you don't have enough to give. Yep. And what's cool is by giving money, to a cause you care about or to a neighbor or in any sort of way, it helps create an abundance mindset where you feel like you have enough. And that's one of the key things that we try to teach in the app is 
this abundance gratitude mindset and continuing to practice that because that's something that it's a continual practice where when you feel like you have enough you're able to be more generous to others you'll be able to be more generous to yourself and it improves your well-being the message I've, I've heard it said i think a teacher told me this once that a meditation teacher not an academic teacher told me once that the practice of giving when you give you reflect upon yourself as one who can give the act of giving actually you're showing to yourself that you are able to give and then that's okay and so by giving you can give more by giving you're sort of just opening up those you know and i generally shy away from you know, the universe will give, but the universe does. Like when you give, the universe provides. When you're open and it just kind of flows, it just kind of flows. It flows in, it flows out. And you can let that happen. It's a, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And I know that that's maybe a little bit too airy, too levitation for an app, but I think the idea is pretty sound. I've experienced it myself. One of the other things you talk about is, and I think you just touched on it, but I want to pull the thread a little bit, how an app like Allo can actually help us become aware of our values. Like when we're looking at what we're spending on, we're looking at what we value. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, I mean, there are multiple ways to look at what you value. One is how you spend your time, but another one is how you spend your money. And again, being able to do, to look at your money in a non-judgmental way, in a cadence that makes sense for you, whether that's daily or weekly or monthly, but just being in some sort of rhythm of checking in and asking yourself, what's important to me and how am I spending my money? And that congruence will change over time. And the goal of the app is to help you make that more congruent, but also acknowledge that life changes, life situations change. So one, a great example for me more recently is We've broken up the values that you sort of the value areas that you can have into a few different values, health being one of them, relationship being one of them, physical space being another. In your book, I'm trying to remember, you articulated about eight. eight different categories. And the point of the app is to look at effectively these different areas of your life, asking yourselves, what's important to me in each of these areas? And then sort of a secondary question is, how is my spending sort of reflected in these values? And is, can I make a change in how I'm spending my money or saving my money to be more congruent with these different values? So time is an interesting one. That's the value of time, which is one I would again say earlier in my life, I would have devalued and probably because I had more time when I was you know, a kid or early before I had kids to do a lot of things, but paying for convenience or paying for things so that you can spend the time on other things feels like a luxury. And so there was some part of me as sort of as a child or sort of my someone from my early mindsets that would feel negative towards that. But what I realized was in COVID <laughs> with three young kids trying to start a startup company that when I was looking at my values, one of my first exercises with Allo, I'm like, oh, time is really underfunded. Like I don't have enough time to be able to do the work I want to do. And I don't have enough time also to be fully present with the kids when I want to be, because I felt yeah. like I was having to do everything on top of each other. And so what I realized in that was if we could spend some money on a nanny, that would actually enable me to work 
more on a project that I care a lot about. And then also when I'm with the kids, be much more present with them and not try to be multitasking. And so yeah. that's an example where there was, it's not something I would have seen in my weekly review because it was just something I wasn't spending money on. But it's that process of asking yourself, what's important to me? Or how do I feel in these different areas of my life? And can I make a change to how I'm spending or saving my money to be more congruent? You said you just sort of brushed over this daily, weekly, monthly. What's the, what are the options? So Allo, currently you can do an Allo practice daily, weekly, or monthly. So okay. for a certain set of people, you really want to be on top of every single transaction as soon as it happens. And so if you really want to be on top and also maybe you do really want to track a couple of different areas of your life or maybe all the areas of life of how you're spending your money, then the daily practice is great. So you look at every day, you're like, oh, I spent on three things yesterday. What did I spend it on? How is that associated with the value? How is my spend, you know, this week, this month trending? And how is, what does my income look like? So for certain people, that's the daily routine. Other people, yeah. it's weekly. And then other people, it's really just looking sort of high level, how much money came in, how much money came out. And again, looking at my values, do I feel like this past month, how is my health feeling? How are my relationships doing? How do I want to change this next month to spend money to, you know, is there an area that I want to focus on this next month to spend more money on? So I asked that question because I'm wondering if there's, if people that are signing up for the app, if there's a majority of people, just to make it easy for people to make the decision, is there a majority of people that say, you know what, once a week is fine? Or does everyone, do most people say daily or how does it, you know, actually show up in practice? In practice, it's pretty split right now between daily and weekly. Okay. Interesting. And it, I would say there are two different types of people. Yeah. Two different state, two different life stages, maybe. It's two different life know? stages. Yeah. Yeah. Could you just break down it? So it sounds like what happens is, you know, you sign up for the app, you link accounts to it. And then like when you're going to review spending, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, you're looking at each item and saying, okay, this one doesn't represent any values. This one represents time. This one represents whatever those values are that you have programmed in. Do I have that right? Is that accurately how that works? Yeah, so what happens is if we zoom back, Allo starts with basically a five-day intro course. Each day takes about five minutes to do, and it teaches you these core principles about Allo, which we've talked about some of those being abundance mindset, the value of awareness, the value of knowing what's important to you, the value of knowing what or the value of responding to negative emotions, and then also the value of having a system that is enduring and can be flexible to your ongoing needs. And so we talk through those, we have you do exercises, and then after that, we sort of prompt you to say, how do you want your practice to look? Do you want it to look daily? Do you want it to look like weekly or monthly? And then again, the core of the app is really around awareness. The point is not to optimize your net worth, the point is not to tag everything. The point is not to flag everything. It's just to be aware. And hmm. there is a bunch of research that shows that this awareness leads to behavior change and this awareness leads to higher well-being. But the point is awareness. And so, again, as we lead you through the app, it might be that you decide, I do really want to track a specific value. 
So maybe you could feel a little bit anxious about you really like, let's say, going out with friends, but you feel a little bit anxious about how much money you're spending, which is completely reasonable. And so for that type of person, we would say, why don't you track that specific priority, which let's call it under relationships and it's hanging with friends. And so you would tag that on an ongoing basis and sort of see how that fluctuates month to month. For other, like for me, I really use it more from a, like a gratitude practice where I tag a couple per, ter, per week that I'm really grateful that I use my money in that way. It's interesting because I'm imagining the demographic that would be interested might be younger people who are starting out and trying to figure out this whole thing. But I'm reflecting that when I meet a client for the first time, like they're coming to the office and we're looking, we're starting to look at all their you know, inflows and outflows. By doing that practice, by helping them become aware of the way they spend, even if they're 55, 60 years old and we're just doing a comprehensive planning process, it's almost always a surprise to them how much they yeah. spend on this or that. They're like, oh my God, I didn't realize my cable was $600. Or I didn't realize that I had you know, $80 a month in streaming services. Or I didn't realize I had you know, 15 subscriptions to magazines that are digital and I don't read them. Right? It's almost always like, oh my, an aha moment. Yeah. And for starting out, it'd be great to know that at the beginning. There's, again, going back to like, why am I working on this? The majority stressor for the majority of us is our finances. There are plenty of apps that exist today that are budgeting apps, that are apps that will promise that they'll save you money or promise you'll optimize your net worth and you'll get messages saying you overspent in these areas of your life. And that type of app, the reality is it just doesn't work for the majority of us. Our lives are much more fluid than a traditional strict budget and the guilt messaging, just like who wants to use that? And so- What we're trying to do with Allo is, you know, if if basically if you're excited about a budgeting system, there is like dozens of tools that you can use today. And what we're trying to go is for this different demo who maybe is a little bit more money avoidant or hasn't really just resonated with a lot of that sort of messaging around like, yeah, optimizing your net worth, like just being all in the spreadsheet. And so... We're really excited. We found people, like you said, who are just getting started in their career to people that are more on the retirement end who are just looking at their money in a new way. And you're like 100% accurate. If you haven't had any practice of looking at your money, you will be surprised. You'll be surprised in positive ways. Uh, You'll be surprised in some negative. And so that's the point. Yeah. And if, if the choice is between knowing and not knowing, knowing is better. Right. And that's just that awareness. Exactly. I do think younger audiences are more like comfortable using, you know, an app on their phone, linking their bank accounts. But in terms of users that have tried out Allo, we've had we've had the gamut. Yeah. I have some 89 year old clients that would say I'm that would just, you know, match wits with any 25 year old on their app. (laughs) They're solid. They're good. They do it. They download it. They're awesome. So just really quick. I'm imagining there might be some benefit in like a young couple going through this together, maybe going through it separately and sort of comparing notes. Like this is what I value. This is what you value and this, how this might integrate. Does the app sort of support that kind of thing? I 100% agree. So we're just getting started with all of this. So there's a lot more we can do there, but I'm married and your relationship with money, your relationship with your spouse with money, like it's complicated. And (laughs) say the least. (laughs) It has been so helpful for me 
for me and my wife to ground the conversation and what is important to us and what we appreciate about each other and to begin sort of our money conversations with that lens as opposed to what is this? What did you spend money on? Like, tell me more about this. And even if that question that I'm asking is really just a curiosity question, it comes across as you're judging the spin that I did on this area. And so one of the things that was helpful as we were building this app for me and my wife was to do this practice and be, I was, we were each able to say thank you to the other person for basically taking care of different responsibilities, which came across and, you know, spending on certain things. So whether it was, you know, my wife, she's in charge of buying gifts for basically for all the birthday parties for our kids. And so I can say, Madi, thank you so much for buying gifts for the kids. Like that's, I really appreciate that. Or, you know, if we went on a date night and I organized it, she can say, you know, Paul, it's an opportunity for her to say, thank you so much for organizing that last week. We had an amazing time. And it's also a time again, where we can say, Hey, what do we want to do more of this next month? What do we want to do less of? What are some of our longer term goals that we want to be, you know, saving towards? So we're talking mostly in this conversation about spending. And the reason is, I think, twofold. Spending you do every single day. And so it is really practical and it's top of mind. But it's just as true for saving and spending and other you know, financial tasks that you need to do. So are there like in the app itself, is there like a line item for, hey, this is we're saving for the down payment on the house. So there's 50 bucks that goes to that every month. And we know that we're not going to get to the down payment for five years, but we can see that we're putting 50 bucks a month in there and that 50 bucks is going to grow. And that's a good thing. And so that gives us a chance to be grateful for the 50 bucks we're putting in there. Is that sort of the future goal account in there as well? Yeah. So the one of the value categories that we have in Allo is, is called future. And, you know, it's becoming who you want to be. And so you can articulate, you can, in sort of future, there are things you could in some respects, spend money on today. And there are also things you can save money on tomorrow. So education being an example, potentially of I'm investing in myself. And then a 529 for your kids or your down payment for your house could be a future priority. And then, yeah, celebrating that on a weekly basis or a monthly basis when you're saving a percentage of your paycheck towards this goal, like that should be done. And Allo helps facilitate that. So I want to, I have so many questions coming into my head right now. So I'm going to try to hone it down. To, Let's do it. To have it. So it's not, it, right now, budget's a bad word. Budget's a bad word. We want to use the word budget, but you want to be aware of your spending. What are you working on now with an allo so that maybe there's tools that come in the future? Do you have a whiteboard that says, hey, Q3, we're going to be doing this. And then Q4 of our Q2 of 2024, we're going to put this out. Or what does the development of allo look like in terms of maintaining this mindful money practice? into other areas, not just spending. Yeah, that's great. We have lots of whiteboards with lots of ideas and lots of visions and things we're excited about doing. And, you know, I love feedback. That's why I reached out to you was to get your feedback on sort of the early stages of the app and sort of the direction we were going. And so to the, the listeners, if you have feedback of like, well, first, we would love for you to try the app. And if you have feedback on what you'd like to see, that's the best way for us to know what to develop. And so yeah. coming back to it, like specifically going back to the pay yourself first prototype we built before Allo, 
Like we would love to be able to bring in more tools, whether they're built into the app or whether there are other tools that exist you know, externally from the app that we can help you decide for you, hey, this thing would be helpful for me right now and help you automate something, for example, like saving money every month for you know, down payment on your house. There's also, I would say, things more on the relational side Like we have in the app right now a bunch of resources that include articles about how to talk to your spouse or how to talk to your kids about money. But being able to dive deeper into the relational side of money with others. And then lastly, I would say, like like I said, money is the top stressor for the majority of us. Sometimes you're just like really stressed out about money and we want to be able to enable you have a place that you can come and we can sort of help reflect on that and process that. Those are a few examples. Yeah, that's great. So I ask every everyone that's on the podcast, I ask them to answer two pretty simple questions and I'm going to ask them to you as well. So there's an enormous amount of noise out there, right? About what we should do for finances and what we should spend on and what we should do. And da, 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 da. there's tons and tons and tons of blogs and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. Would you simplify it for pretend you're on an airplane, you sit down next to somebody, you start talking about your app and they go, oh, you're into money. I know you're a Boglehead of old before Boglehead was cool, right? And they, they get to know you a little bit. What is one thing that you would recommend that they do that you know would lead to better personal and financial success? Yeah, I think, well, my answer now is different than what I would answer have answered a couple of years ago. I think my answer a couple of years ago would have been much more prescriptive, like something to the effect of do the Boglehead strategy or save a percentage of your paycheck or, you know, some specific behavior change. And the answer now is definitely awareness. So it's, I would, you choose it every week, every month, open up your bank app of choice and just take a look at how you're spending and saving your money and and reflect appreciate ways that you're able to use your money and notice anything you want to make changes for yeah like i'd look at the mortgage line that's my biggest expense and go oh my god oh that's a big number but then i'd look at my house and go oh but i can be grateful because that number you know reflects directly the fact that i can live in this great house right so second question is because there's so much noise, many people are, you know, they start doing stuff that, you know, maybe they shouldn't. So is there one thing that's sort of common practice that you would say, hey, don't do that? It's a great question. It's a stumper usually. Yeah, it's a stumper <laughs> because, again, I would say there's a couple of years ago, I think there's a lot of things I would say don't do. And Morgan Housel, he wrote a book called Psychology of Money. It's an amazing book. One of the best uh, books ever written. Yeah. Everyone read it. Yep. It's and one of the things he said, I'm paraphrasing, but was if you know enough about somebody, their decisions are very reasonable. And an example he gives is somebody buying a lottery ticket who doesn't have much money and you're there can be judgment about wait, why would you spend your money on a lottery ticket? And he he was articulating that like if this is your only chance of getting out of your situation, like it's reasonable. Yep. And he gives lots of examples of that where like if the stock market for your parents' generation was down over the decade when they were becoming adults, they're probably going to be more pessimistic on the stock market than 
if the stock market had only gone up and to the right during this last generation. And so the reason why I articulate, it's harder for me to say, don't do that. And I don't think it's that helpful. I have to say that is an incredible answer. And I'm just, I'm noting in the way you're answering questions that you have a meditation practice. So would you share what your practice is? You know, I'd like to say I have like this amazing meditation practice. I would say through my life, when I was a kid, it was, I had a prayer practice. And as I've grown, I still pray with my kids every night. And I've gone in and out of having a meditation practice. But yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty simple of when I do, it's literally just, it's a few minutes. Sometimes I'm using an app, sometimes it's not, but it's yep. a few minutes of quiet. Yep. Just breathing. Just pay attention to your breath, right? It was difficult for me when I had two young kids and that was the first period since grad school where my meditation practice wasn't as consistent as it could have been, right? So I totally get it. Three little kids is very difficult. Before we wrap up, I want to go back to personal again. What was the last thing you changed your mind about? It doesn't have to be a big thing. I mean, I've heard about, you know, the cat's type of food. I've heard all kinds of answers to the question. It doesn't have to be big. It's funny. I, the pause is actually, I do actually feel like I changed my mind on a lot of things. So I'm the type of person that I'm able to, my mind changes. And I think part of building an app or starting a company is it's this weird combination of having a vision that you're clear on and excited about and also getting information that requires you to change course. And if you change your mind all the time, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you don't take in that information and change direction of where are you heading with this product, you're, not, you're also not going to get to the right finish line. And so I was trying to think, I mean, I was thinking personally as well as professionally about, you know, a decision that, a decision that we're, we're making a change on. And nothing jumped to the top of my mind of, of the most recent. One personal one was I took one of, actually, this is also one of my highlight purchases of the year. I took my daughter to see Annie the Musical in San Jose. And I was going to buy a cheap seat because we don't need a great seat. But my wife encouraged me to buy a great seat for the two of us to go. And we got great seats we could see you know the musicians singing dancing i could you know see their lips moving and i was spending like two three hours of really quality time with my daughter and it's the highlight purchase of the year that's awesome that's a great example and it actually probably fits right within the allo app i think your you know purchase of those tickets fits right within the you know your family and relationships value right so what would, second personal question here before we wrap up, what would constitute a perfect day for you? Perfect day. It's interesting. I'm actually thinking through some of the, like the allo categories and saying, how do I hit off different priorities I have in these different values of mine? So one, which would probably be in the middle of the day is playing basketball. I love playing basketball. It's so much, so it hits that play value of mine and also hits the health value. So there. I'm starting the middle of the day and working from there, but basketball would definitely be there. Probably still on the play bucket would be playing with my kids. It's softball and t-ball right now. So playing catch out front would be there. And then 
probably the last thing in this perfect day would be spending some one-on-one time with my wife. So going on a date night and probably be at trying a new restaurant that's great. And that's always hard to know. But if we knew there was a great new restaurant, trying it out, trying some new food, and then doing some activity that's just the two of us. It's beautiful, man. And hopefully... You know, you have babysitter in there often, so you can have those date nights and have that good time because that's going to be the value. Keep doing that for sure. Finally, tell us how people can connect with you. Where do they find you? You know, are you on social media? Whatever you want to share. Yeah, I would love people to reach out and give me feedback, tell me their thoughts. My email is paul at allo.finance. Our website is allo.finance. And if you want to try out the app, there's a wait list, but you, we would love for you to join. And we created a custom invite code for this podcast, which is mindful. So hopefully we can send that out with this podcast. Yep. It'll be in the show notes. So will the email address and the link to the website itself. Paul, thanks very much for coming on. I love the app and I hope people try it out. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me. It's great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at mindful.money. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash mindful money. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes.